Pastor Ed Taylor shares this perspective on pain. We read about Paul when he was stoned. As we saw, he was stoned. He was taken out of the city, left for dead. Everybody's around. All the believers are crying and praying over him. And Paul gets up. And what's the next thing he does? He goes back into the city. And that's what God wants to do when you get up from your pain. And when you're healed. And when you're strengthened. And when hope is restored, God says, get up and go back in. Get up and go back into the world. There are other people just like you to pray for and to reach and to minister. Look, the pain that we're going through now is temporary. It's not to be even compared to the glory that God has for us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hey, glad to have you in our listening family as we press on in our study of 1 Peter on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us in just a second. Now, if you recall, the Apostle Peter is writing to a group of hurting people. They were going through intense persecution and suffering like you wouldn't believe. And maybe you can relate to that on some level. Well, I think you're going to be greatly encouraged as you listen in today. Those trials you're facing are temporary and they don't even compare to the glory that's up ahead. Here's Pastor Ed to drive that home in our hearts from 1 Peter chapter 1. There's a lot of hurting people, even here today, but what they need is a church that's sensitive to the reconciling, comforting power of God. Our voice is to be used to share the comfort and hope into a person's life. That's what the world needs, the light of the gospel. You begin to think as I was remembering today the woman that, would, that had an issue of blood for 12 years and she was desperate and broke because she had tried everything. She had paid everyone. Everyone that promised a cure, she tried it to no avail. And after 12 years, there's a desperation in her. And she finds herself in the crowd pressing through and everybody's I'm sure it's rustling and everyone's feeling her to come through and she presses in just enough to touch the hem of the garment and what she needed at the time of Jesus was his compassion you notice Jesus didn't turn around and give her a Bible study Jesus didn't turn around and give her a theological explanation of what was going on he, he, he addressed that power had left him. Isn't that great? That's what the world needs to see, the power of Jesus in the life of the believer. They're going through a trial. We're going through a trial. They're facing pandemic issues. We're facing pandemic issues. They, they have things that the government's doing to them. We have things that government's doing to us, but it's different because we are born again. We are new creations in Christ. We believe our eternity is secure and we believe it when the Bible says that we consider the sufferings of this present time, they're temporary. They're not permanent. They're temporary. They're not even going to be compared to what we're going to experience. They're not even compared to the joy of having my sins forgiven. They don't even compare to the newness of life that God has given to me, that I'm a new creation. I'm not what I was. 
The old Ed is dead. I'm a new creator. I'm a new Ed. I have a new life. I have a new hope. I have a new future. This is the real world, church. And we minister to real people with real pain and real problems. And we have a real answer that not only can we give in the power of God's written word, but our lives can back up the effectiveness, the testimony. We are the testimony of the written word. And that's why in that segment of Christianity Day, it just makes me sick. And there's a few segments of Christianity that makes me sick to my stomach of a responding to trials as if to try to get out of them. Or there's another, you know, there's a whole group of church. If you're sick and you're, you're hurting today, it's your fault because you have no faith. And yet over and over again, I see Jesus ministering to the faithless. That's what pain does to a person. It steals your faith. It steals your hope. You get caught up in pain and sorrow and suffering and grief and your mind's all messed up. You feel like you got, got kicked in the gut. It's like, well, you have no faith. If you had faith and send me a hundred bucks, you'll be healed. No way. No, you come to Jesus as you are and he will meet you because even in your faithlessness, God remains faithful. God is not interested in you paying for special favor or some tenfold blessing you just give and support and no God is ready to give himself to you and support you and establish you and help you get back up so you can go back into the world you run right back into the world remember Paul we read about Paul when he was stoned as we saw he was stoned he was taken out of the city left for dead everybody's around all the believers are crying and praying over him and Paul gets up and what's the next thing he does? He goes back into the city. And that's what God wants to do when you get up from your pain. And when you're healed. And when you're strengthened. And when hope is restored, God says, get up and go back in. Get up and go back into the world. There are other people just like you to pray for and to reach and to minister. Look, the pain that we're going through right now is temporary. It's not to be even compared to the glory that God has for us. God wants us to remember we're ministering to real needs, real suffering, real sorrow, real people suffering with real things, even that have a genuine growing faith in God. I see things and I hear things almost every day. If not a phone call, a voicemail. If not a voicemail, an email. If not an email, a text message. If not a text message, praying with somebody here in the fellowship at one of the services or reaching out even across the country. I, and the pastors here, it's not exclusive to me, the pastors, many of you as lay leader positions and servants, you experience so much pain, you hear so many difficult things. I can only speak for myself, but perhaps you can relate that it can cause you to be discouraged yourself to see the effect of sin to see the effect of the consequences. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to someone where I, I just wish I could take the consequences away from their life. I just wish they never did what they did and never experienced what they experienced. But God is teaching them something that even that is redeemable. Even that brings restoration. They need to learn like I need to learn that their pain is temporary. 
And God is doing a work in them. God's doing a work in me. And together we're the body of Christ. And you can be going through something today where you're, you're, even, begin to, you're even beginning to wonder, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with God? Why has he abandoned me? But Peter says no. Paul says no. Jesus says no. James says no. The testimony of the heroes of the faith is that what you're going through right now, what I'm facing today, it's not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's up ahead. Not even worthy. And I'm sure if we ask some of the people in the hall of faith that we've been studying, you know, some of the people that we've been reading through in the scriptures, that their lives are recorded for us. If we had a chance to interview them up on the stage, have a time of testimony, and we got to ask them a question, we'd say, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? All that you went through, was it really worth it? It seems like at the end of the scriptures, you know, at the very least, you died and went into the presence of God. Was it worth it? I think they would all say it's worth it. I mean, think of Joseph. 13 years he spent in prison, falsely accused. That was after being thrown in a pit by his own family. His own brothers were jealous of him. Oh, the evil wickedness that jealousy creates in a person and creates in these brothers. They hated him, and they literally demonstrated it. Joseph went from the pit to the prison and to the palace, but was that what was worth it? No. He ended up in the glory of God. 13 years. How about Moses? You could look at Moses' life and think, wow, you were born into slavery and yet God was, was there with you. You got to grow up in the palace, but then you try to take things into your own hand and he spent a whole third of his life, a third of his life, 40 years for him, in the desert, alone, isolated. We don't, know, we don't have much written about those, those years. And God was going to teach him in the desert and undo everything that the world taught him in Egypt. Redo his thinking and reaffirm his faith. You're in the desert right now, and you don't want to be in the desert. Who does? Year one, you know, you enter, if you enter into a desert experience, it usually goes something like this. Uh, well, you know, I can make it for a year. And you bite down, and you're like, all right. And you count the days, 200. 300, 361, you're almost there, 362, 365, it's been a year, 366, you wake up and sand is falling in your face and it's from one year to two year and you go, what could possibly happen in isolation and loneliness and what could happen in times of the desert? Well, ask Moses, he would tell you that he got a lesson and a schooling he got school. You know, people are heading off to Bible college. People are having off to seminary. People are having off to university. Those are all great. But some of you have been called to head off to the desert. The school of what you could say hard knocks. That God is teaching you and undoing your philosophy. And undoing what you've learned so that you, he could use you in a fresh way. He could do a work in you. It's never too late to turn your life over to the Lord even in the desert. How about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? Young, thriving young men, snatched away, kidnapped, indoctrinated in the world system to become high up 
leaders in Babylon, their names changed, their, their thinkings changed, their culture changing so that they would no longer have a connection to the God of all the universe. And when they refused to bow down, their reward was to be thrown into the fiery furnace, which in and of itself, nobody survives that. Nobody survives that. But they came out of the fire. And you Bible students know that a careful reading of what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they bound them up first and threw them into the pit. But when they came out, that was which was binding them was loosed. The cords, the ropes, whatever they used to tie them up, they were loosed and free. Here's what happens in your life and mine in these temporary trials. This is what's happening right now as you yield to the final full work. You think someone else has control over you, but they don't have control over you that God didn't first allow. Some of you think, well, I'm just at the hands of someone's decisions, and I'm in the hands of their decisions. In, in one way in the human realm, certainly their decisions affect you greatly and bring great pain. But what's come into your life has not skipped by God. Everything in our life has been father-filtered, and he knows what we need and when we need it. You could say that even in our own fiery furnace, God's hand is on the thermostat of the heat, turning it up and down as needed in your life so that like gold, our faith will be more made genuine. And here's what's happening in the fiery trial that you're facing. I mean, you go into the pit and you go into the palace like Joseph and you've got to learn that God is faithful. You go into the desert for a third of your life a desert wandering experience like Moses so that you can learn God's wisdom is what you need. Not your wisdom, but God's wisdom. And then you find yourself being thrown into the fire, but God, he says, look, I'm going to throw you into fire bound, but what the fires are going to do, they're actually not going to destroy you, but they're literally going to destroy that which binds you. The addiction, the attitude, the, the fight that's in. You know, you're going, I'm just going to fight this. I'm going to fight this. And then God allows the fires to be turned up so that you might come out free. God wants to free you tonight because God is working even in the fire and God is working even in the desert and God is working even in the prison and the pit and the pain. Paul, when he says it, he means it. And many of you can agree with him. The sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to what God's going to reveal in us. You see, those who do not know Christ have no hope when they suffer. They have no clarity. I know in times of suffering as believers, we don't quite see everything. Everything's blurry and we're not quite sure. But when we, whatever we see through the blurry, it's kind of like the guy that was, you know, healed of his blindness, but it was healed in stages. He says, oh, I just see like, like just some movement. I see men like trees. And it, was, it touched him again. And he said, like, more clear, more clear. That's how it is in trials. First, you can't see anything. And then little by little, God says, oh, I see a little bit here. And I see a little bit here. And I see a little bit here. And then you begin a trial. You go, get me out, get me out. But in reality, it's through the trial. You go, oh, Lord take this out. Remove this from my life. Temporary. Temporary. You go, Ed, well, I've been going through the same thing for eight years. I know. Temporary. It's been 20 years. It's temporary. It's not even going to be worthy to be compared 
to what's up ahead and what God has for us in the future, what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Those who don't know Christ are hopeless. So they, when they see suffering, they don't produce spiritual blessing. They don't produce spiritual glory. Those that live only for this life can't look forward to their wrongs being made right, but you can. Those that live only in this life, they, they can't look forward to eternal comfort and a life without pain and sorrow. Their pain, their loneliness, their affliction so n- serve no eternal value and bring no divine reward. But Christian, you have great hope. Hope that soon your afflictions will end. Hope that God is working in you to bring about great changes. Hope that your suffering will add to your eternal glory. And in Hebrews, we learn in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into the presence behind the veil. Suffering, all of us would want to avoid it but we can't. And until we're delivered from this body of death, suffering will be a part of our lives. You can say in many ways, we go from glory to glory, we go from strength to strength, and we go from suffering to suffering. No one's immune. Until we're delivered from this body of death, suffering is a part of our lives. And yet this present sufferings are not worthy to be compared. Let's close over in Matthew 25, would you? Would you turn over to Matthew 25 with me? Such a great section, so encouraging. Would you pick up there in verse 14? I want you to read it if you have your Bibles or flip over on your iPad or your phone. I want you to soak in these words, maybe highlight them, meditate on the teachings of Jesus this week. Where Jesus says in Matthew 25, verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And there he had received, the one that received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts. And verse 20, he who received five came and bought the five and said, Lord, I delivered to, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. And his Lord said, mark these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You're faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also has received two talents. Said, Lord, deliver me two talents. Look, I've gained two more. And his Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what's yours. But his Lord said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I haven't sown, and you gather where I've not scattered seed. Therefore, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, you would have received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who have abundance from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I, I really want to hear them. I want my life to matter all the way to the end. I want to encourage you to be careful 
in this world to not waste, it, waste your life on things that aren't eternal and waste your energy on things that don't matter. To misunderstand your master. To misunderstand Jesus like he's angry and frustrated and he wants to use you in such a way so you can be angry and frustrated too. But rather, take what God has given you and multiply it. Tell somebody this week, would you? Tell somebody about the love of God in the midst of their crisis. I know it's easier to talk about other things. And other things are on the minds of other people. But remember, this is how you turn the conversation with every single person. This is how you turn the conversation. You don't have to know everything about current events. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. You don't have to see it. You don't, you don't have to get up, caught up in arguments and fight to defend God or defend your position. You know, here's how you turn any conversation. At the appropriate time when you sense the Holy Spirit gives you that open door, say, well, I appreciate the time. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Changes everything. Is there anything I can pray for you about? It puts everything back onto a spiritual level. Because yeah, you might be talking to somebody with a real strong political opinion. Real strong. They've rehearsed it, read about it, and they're ready to go for it. This is how I believe. And they have a strong opinion, but they also suffer. They also have other issues in their life. And yeah, you talk to the person that their sports team's doing really well, and they're all about it, and they're going to share with it, and they're going to, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they love sports, but they also have problems. And family. So I was speaking to a sister earlier. You know, we all have family. And we all have needs in our families. It's always, man, you ask somebody to pray for them. Oh, well, you know, I don't really have anything to pray about. Well, let me just do this. Let me just pray that God blesses you and encourages you in these troubling times. Let me just pray that God, he reveals himself in a wonderful way. So even if they turn you down, even if I don't want anybody to pray for me. Well, let me just tell you, I'm going to pray for you because I love you and I care for you. I was going to pray that God blesses you and encourages you. He reveals himself to you. And you, if you have the confidence, you can even say this. So that you could experience the peace of God like I've been able to the last week, two, month, whatever it might be in your life. You see, God has put us in the world to reflect his love and grace. Anything less is not going to last for eternity. And I want to lay before you today those, those words, such motivating well done, good and faithful servant. What I entrusted to you, you were faithful. Isn't that great? Faithful. He doesn't say you have to be scholarly. He doesn't have to say you were rich. He doesn't say you, he, all the things that we separate on. And some people are more rich than others. Some of you are smarter than others. All, none of the things we separate. He says, no, I'm going to bring you to the place where we can all meet and be exactly the same. Faithful. Pastor Ed can be faithful. You can be faithful. And we can be in the faithful line and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Temporary trials, that's what they are. As God leads us to consider them and look forward to that. Well done, good and faithful servant. So it'll be a glorious time. It'll be a glorious time. We look back and go, oh Lord, I can see it all now. And you are faithful and worthy to be praised and worshiped for all of eternity. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from 1 Peter. You can find our studies online at aboundinggraceradio.com. And they're also accessible through our app, 
as well. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and look for us on Apple Podcasts. Well, here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE or order it online at calvaryco.store. Also remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and world at a time in human history where they really need to hear it, too. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow when we'll dig deeper into First Peter with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.